Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Centered with Victor Jackson. I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. Uh, God has been doing some big things. I want to thank you for uh, your support and uh, taking time to uh, tune into this podcast. Um, we are we do have a YouTube channel, Bible Centered with Victor Jackson on YouTube, where all the videos that are available um, over the past few weeks, these videos are actually on our YouTube channel. Uh, take a moment and subscribe to that Bible Center with Victor Jackson YouTube channel. For those of you that are connected to our church, uh, we do have a YouTube channel, Bible Center of Orlando. And um, you're going to want to tune into that as well. Um, we're at 6955 Haying Moss Road, Orlando, Florida, 32807. We have a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. service, uh, and we also have a 1.30 p.m. service, Centro Biblico de Orlando. Um, we have a church in Claremont, Bible Center of Claremont, which is at 3 o'clock, and uh, Claremont Arts and Recreation Center. God is doing big things uh, in our church, and I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for your support. Uh, my daughter is um, getting older, uh, six weeks old. Time is flying. Uh, I'm so thankful uh, for our family. My wife has been recovering well, uh, getting rest. Uh, it's been a great time. Um, today, uh, I'm going to... Um, read a few scriptures today we ended on verse 14 yesterday and uh, I'm going to be reading just a few scriptures today uh, so I can get a, a thought across to you and I believe this is important because there's a lot of misunderstandings about forgiveness so let's go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven." For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother 
sin against me and I forgive him till seven times. Last scripture, verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, some incredible concepts of forgiveness and uh, reconciliation. Uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. This has been one of the most confusing Confusing times to understand uh, the power of forgiveness and the power of reconciliation. And you have to understand that those two things are not the same. They're very different. Some people have wrongly believed uh, that you cannot forgive like you don't have forgiveness if you don't have reconciliation. And biblically, that's not true. Forgiveness doesn't mean restored relationship. You cannot have proper reconciliation without forgiveness but you can have forgiveness without reconciliation, biblically. And so with that being said, let's get into the biblical substance of this because there are a lot of people bound into toxic situations that they are unable to free themselves from because there are people saying, hey, you have to forgive, you have to forgive, you have to forgive, which means they're saying that you need to stay connected to me. Even though I have toxic behaviors, you need to be connected to me. Even, even though my behaviors are harmful to you, your family, your soul, emotionally, spiritually. And they use this false concept of what forgiveness really looks like. So this is what we're going to be dealing with with this episode because Jesus gives us precedent on how to handle the concepts of forgiveness and reconciliation. So, let's get into this. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now, he's giving a path in this new covenant community, this ecclesia, this called out assembly that lives differently from the world in secular society, that, that the kingdom of God is supposed to affect our relationships. He's letting us know that the kingdom is supposed to affect our relationships on how we handle one another that we do not try to destroy one another, we do not try to harm one another, but we attempt to resolve and restore and reconcile. So he's saying if a brother or a sister has sinned against you, then 
you go to them alone, the first thing you don't do is go and spread information about the person um, everywhere because that damages trust, right? That damages trust. And so not only does that damage trust, but it can create a lot of confusion. He's saying that people that are influenced by the kingdom that if there is a fault that you go to that person about that fault where there can be a reconciliation and forgiveness uh, in private before this becomes more public. It says, but if he will not hear you, then take with you, you one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses everywhere may be established. Now, it says, if you want to be restored with the brother or overcome this fault together, then bring two or three witnesses so they can witness the behavior so it's not... Um, there's no rumor, there's no tell-bearing, there's no strife that is being uh, spread more and more. But bring a witness. Bring two witnesses so the word can be established. Verse 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church... But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Now, I want you to understand that the intent is to reconcile. This is what he's showing with this New Testament church that's under a kingdom influence. He's showing them that the kingdom is more than just in word, but it's in deed. That there should be a path of reconciliation. He's giving a healthy perspective. Notice he's not talking about public lashing. He's not talking about um, gossip. He's not talking about that. He's saying that if someone trespasses against you, he's giving a path of restoration and a path of reconciliation. But if this person does not want to reconcile and doesn't want to hear or doesn't want to resolve the issue, what do they call it in modern-day vernacular? Gaslighting, pretending as if the hurt has never happened, pretending as if the pain has never happened, avoiding accountability, avoiding responsibility. You ever had someone uh, hurt you and then run off and tell everybody that you hurt them? You ever had someone do something to you or your family or your child and you try to call them for accountability and they don't respond, they just disappear. The Bible says when something like that happens, bring two or three witnesses with you and if they won't hear them, it says tell it finally, let, it, let, it, let the elect, the ecclesia, the called out assembly, let them know. But he said, let it be unto thee as a 
heathen man and a publican, meaning you went all through the paths and the steps of reconciliation. But this person is intent on not reconciling. So what he's saying is you got to move on. Some people will try to bind you to their toxicity because of their refusal to reconcile with you. And they hold it over your head and they try to make you, you know, jump through all types of hoops like a circus in order for you to, for them to eradicate the guilt that's over your life. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So he's speaking of the authority that exists within the church. Again, I say unto you that if two or two of you shall touch on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them for my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, this scripture is used out of context a lot. Because when he says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. That's not talking about having a church service and five people show up. And so you try to encourage them by saying, hey, where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst. And everybody's like, yeah. That's not what that means. What it means is, is to resolve a dispute. He says, where two or three are gathered, he's speaking of, remember, he said two or three witnesses, right? Where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. Meaning, in order to resolve a dispute among one another, you have to trust when you are trying to seek this path of reconciliation and this path of restoration, that you have to trust that God is in the middle of what you guys are doing. That's what it means. It means that when you're trying to resolve a dispute and try to handle things in a godly manner, you have to trust that the spirit of God is going to lead and guide your decision making. That I just burst a bubble on this podcast today. Because that's our favorite thing. Two people show up to prayer. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. Two or three touching Anything in his name, he's going to do it. But look at context. Context determines meaning. The Bible, look, you can have the presence of God all by yourself in your prayer room. You don't need two people to encounter God's presence. You can pray alone in your prayer closet or at the church by yourself and, and get the presence of God to come down. The veil has been rent. We have free access to his presence. It's not saying, oh, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I'm by myself, I'm by myself. I can't touch God. I can't touch God. I need a second person. I need a second person. I got to grab somebody from outside. Please agree with me. No, that's not what this means. This wasn't meant to be a church slogan. It wasn't meant to be a great way to start a service if it's a down crowd or if it's the holidays or if it's midweek Bible studies where two or three are gathered. It's not what it means. I'm trying to help you. When two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. What it means is, is that when you guys are resolving a dispute in a godly manner, 
that you trust that God is going to lead and guide that conversation, that just like his presence comes down and does miracles, his presence also comes down and, and resolves things. Just like his presence comes down and saves us, his presence comes down to help resolve disputes. And he's saying you have the authority to bind and loose. You have the authority. You have the authority to bind and loose. You have the authority to make decisions. You have authority to do this. Then came Peter, and this is where I want to spend the bulk of my time. This is why we read a few scriptures today. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? What he's saying here is, how often do I have to go through this process and this, this stuff? I mean, he said, till seven times? Now, why would he say till seven times? Here's why. Because the rabbis believed that to forgive someone three times was an incredible amount of grace and mercy. So Peter takes it up and says, you know what? So should I forgive him till seven times? He's like, man, that's a lot. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Wow. He says, no, it's even greater than seven. It's, it's immeasurable. It's, you, you have to always forgive. Now, we got to get into the depth of this because I feel, I feel I'm going to help somebody today. There is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And you see that pattern in this text that I read to you. So let me teach you. Forgiveness is between primarily you and God. You and God, you have to say, I forgive. God, I forgive them. Why? Because if you don't forgive, that hurts you and your relationship with God. Not only hurts the person, but it hurts you and your relationship with God. Forgiveness only needs one party, meaning it's you and God saying, I, I forgive God, I forgive them. And you forgiving them allows an open door and an open path of reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two parties. You can forgive someone, yet that relationship not be restored. Forgiveness only needs one party. Reconciliation needs both parties. Reconciliation is when both sides make concessions to come forward. When both sides make concessions to meet in the middle. But you see, what happens is, is that people forgive. The person that forgives, he's in the middle. But if this person is unwilling to change their behaviors and make concessions to come and meet in the middle, then reconciliation is not possible. See, some people, they not only want, they not only put forgiveness in their court, but they also put reconciliation in their court alone, meaning this person isn't moving 
they're changing behaviors, they're still toxic. And so you go past the medium or the middle and you go over to their side where you're being hurt because the person hasn't changed their behavior. Reconciliation takes both parties making concessions, not just one party. See, forgiveness is up to you. Reconciliation is up to both of you. So I'll, I'll give an example. Jesus died for the sins of the world. We are, he, he decided on the cross to say, forgive them for they know not what they're due. So how in the world are people still going to go to hell? What did it say according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? I believe verse 19, to wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, meaning Jesus did everything needed to forgive, pardon our sin, and have a path of reconciliation. But guess what? There are still people that are not going to meet him in the middle. There's people that are that will still choose to not reconcile with him. He did all of his part. He came all the way over for us. All we've got to do is make a step to him, believe, confess, repent, be baptized, receive his spirit, live holy. And there will be people that refuse to do that. Well, Jesus isn't going to go all the way over into endorsing a person's sinful behavior. Are you getting what I'm saying? He already pay, paid the price of forgiveness and made a path of reconciliation. He did his part, but reconciliation takes both parties. He has forgiven, but it's up to you whether y'all reconcile or not. Does this make sense? So you can forgive someone, but because of a person's toxic behaviors and actions, it doesn't make reconciliation possible. So, all right, I'll give a, a, a modern example. Um, you may be in a relationship right now. And this person hurt you in some way. Maybe, maybe physical abuse, emotional abuse. Whatever way it is. They hurt you. It's up to you to process that hurt and forgive. That's between you and God. Now, if that person doesn't change their behaviors, you forgave them and you have made it open for reconciliation, but if that person is still trying to beat you and harm you and hurt you, then you cannot, in the name of forgiveness, go in reconciliation with that because the behavior is gonna continue. You're gonna be abused emotionally, physically, sexually, whatever. You're gonna continue to be abused and God does not endorse abuse so he's not asking for you to be abused in the name of forgiveness 
that's toxicity. So you have to learn how to forgive where there's a path open for reconciliation. But if that person doesn't change their behavior, you have to have a godly boundary in between you and that person. Boundaries are biblical. When they wouldn't receive Jesus, what did he do? When they, when they, when they tried to throw him off the cliff, he didn't let them throw him off the cliff to prove his love to them. You know what he did? He disappeared in the midst of them. There were boundaries. You have to have some godly boundaries. You have to have some godly boundaries. You have to have some godly boundaries. Forgiveness, that's between you and God. And, and, and I forgive him, Lord. I forgive him, Lord, till 70 times seven. But look what he shows here. If someone's unwilling to repent and someone's unwilling to change their behavior, Jesus said, let them be unto you as a, as a heathen and a publican. There's no path of reconciliation if someone won't change their toxic behaviors. And you cannot keep allowing yourself to go into abusive situations and toxic situations because they keep saying, hey, you're a Christian, you got to forgive. Hey, you're a Christian, you got to forgive. Yes, yes, you do have to forgive. But this is one of the issues that psychologists and therapists have with Christians. Christians, they forgive quickly without processing the damage. That's their problem with us. And they said, because we forgive so quickly without processing the damage, the wound isn't healed because we find out more damage has occurred. And then we got to go back and forgive again. I didn't know they did that. I didn't know they did that. I didn't know they did that. And it's like this wound never closes because we don't process, process the damage. Psychologists and therapists, their problem with Christians is they want us to process the damage first with the intention to forgive. What does that mean? That means if someone has been hurting you, you intend to forgive, but I got to process the damage. Okay, you did this. That hurt me emotionally. That hurt me physically. You uh, abused me. You did this. You did that. Okay, this is a lot of damage. I still choose to forgive. Instead of no, don't tell me anything that you did. I don't want to hear anything else. I forgive. I forgive. I don't want to know anything else. No, I forgive. I forgive. But then what? A month later, you find out, man, you know, so-and-so said this about you too? I didn't know they said that. Heart ripped open again. Two months later, man, you heard that they said this? I didn't know that they said that. Man, you heard they did this? Three months later, I didn't know they did that too. Hearts ripped open again. Because you didn't take time to process the damage. Look at the damage. Okay, that was bad. That was bad. This was wrong. That was bad. You know what? I still choose to forgive. But until there is a change of behavior, until there is fruit 
worthy of repentance. And this is what manipulators do. Manipulators, they will hold this thing of forgiveness over your head to keep inviting you back into toxicity. I'm not going to change, but hey, you got to forgive me. I'm going to abuse you. I'm going to abuse your your kids. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to do this, do that, do this, do that to you. And you just got to put up with it because you're a Christian and you got to forgive. Forgiveness is between you and God to forgive them. But reconciliation takes both parties being willing to make concessions. And if someone is unwilling to make a concession, to move from their place, to make a difference, to find common ground, it is impossible for reconciliation to happen. Jesus did everything for us. He died on the cross. He died. He was buried. He rose again for us. He did everything he needed to do, but there's still a majority of the world that is not going to reconcile with him. Is that Jesus' fault? Well, well, Jesus, we didn't you didn't really forgive me because because you know, we're not reconciled, you know. We are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus did everything he did. He made the path open to reconciliation, but you have to do your part. Believe, confess, repent, be baptized, receive his spirit. Allow his influence upon your life. Let him be Lord of your life. Take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. Reconciliation is available, but it's not always possible when a party refuses to change their behavior. So we are supposed to always forgive, but the other party has to make a decision whether y'all come into reconciliation or not. Because we see in this context that the person went to him to gain his brother, but his brother didn't listen. So he took two or three witnesses, but his brother still doesn't want to change his behavior. So now he tells the church because he's saying, listen, I tried to reconcile with this person. I tried to gain my brother. I've forgiven him, but he has made it where it's not possible. It's not possible. So I forgive with the intent to reconcile. But these behaviors are unacceptable. And how can two walk together except they agree? What fellowship hath light with darkness? If a man says he loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar and the love of the father is not in him. That's the book. I said, that's the book. So don't let anyone hold over you that, hey, you didn't really forgive if you don't come back into this toxic situation where I'm trying to manipulate and and harm and hurt and, and take advantage. We have to always forgive, but you have to process the damage as well. Amen. I processed the damage and I forgave. 
and I'm making a concession to have relationship. But if you're not willing to make concessions as well, how are we, how is this going to work? There is forgiveness with healthy boundaries. Somebody listening needs to, needs to listen to this word because I'm helping you right now. You need to learn to have forgiveness with healthy boundaries. Not everybody deserves access to you, especially if they have the intent to harm you. Why open it up your home? Why open up your home to someone you know it's going to hurt you? It's like someone robbing your house, taking everything in it, and you forgive them, and they come into your house, and then they rob you again. And you forgive them. And in the name of reconciliation, you keep inviting them back to the house and they keep robbing you. And they say, hey, hey, I know I robbed you, but you got to forgive me. You got to forgive me. Okay, you know what you do? I forgive you. Hey, can I come? Hey, can I come over? (sighs) We're busy. We love you. We honor you. We respect you. I forgive you. But until I see some change behaviors, reconciliation is not possible. I would be a fool to allow you into my house after you have robbed me seven times. I forgive you, but I've got to keep this this boundary between me and you to protect my heart, to protect my values. And I honor you and I respect you and I forgive you. But because of your behaviors, you're not making reconciliation possible. When I see changed behaviors, that door's open. But what? not until I see changed behaviors. Does this make sense? Because some people that think forgiveness is reconciliation They just keep opening up the door. Yeah, I got robbed again. I got robbed again. Yeah, they hurt me again. I got robbed again. It's a hundred times. And guess guess who's now struggling with bitterness? Guess who's now struggling with bitterness and low self esteem? Ah, you are. And look at them. They're just going on about their day with your stuff. Wisdom is forgiving, but understand if someone's actions are congruent with repentance or not. To forgive three times, in the, according to the Jewish rabbi, it's gracious. Peter says, should I forgive seven times? Jesus said 70 times seven, for always forgive. But if someone's behaviors aren't matching what is necessary for reconciliation is just no way. Now, some people, maybe you were in the wrong. You ask God to forgive give you. God has forgiven you. You've changed your behaviors, and you go to the person to reconcile, but they don't. But they don't want to reconcile with you. Well, that's not in your power anymore. You just got to know you're forgiven by God. 
And some people say, I will not forgive. I will not forgive. I will not forgive. Well, there's nothing you can do to try to reconcile with that person if they do not want to forgive you. You got to trust in God that, you know what? God forgave me. I've changed my behaviors. But right now, they do not want to reconcile with me. And some people will use that unforgiveness over your head to say, hey, hey, I know God's forgiven you, but I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. Well, you know what? You just got to go on with your life. Know that you've been forgiven by God. Don't let anybody hold a mistake over your head. Especially if you've changed your behaviors. So I'm giving you a balanced view of forgiveness and reconciliation. I'm giving you a balanced biblical view of forgiveness and reconciliation. And that how these things operate within a church. It is very different because the intent is always to reconcile. But if, if, if a brother is not having safe behaviors, do not put yourself in harm's way. You don't have to be beaten to prove your love to anybody. You do not have to be mocked, abused, sexually, emotionally, physically spiritually to prove your love to anybody. Sometimes the wisest thing you could do is walk away. I forgive you, but y'all trying to kill me. I forgive you, but I have to have a healthy boundary for my soul, for my spirit, for my sanity. Some people are addicted to toxicity. Some people are addicted to toxicity. And they like the drama. Everything everything is crazy. Like, they try to keep in this drama. And if you don't have any guards around your spirit and your heart, you will never get anything done in your life. Because you're always going to be dealing with the drama. So you just got to have a healthy boundary. Let people do their thing. It's like, hey, I love you. I forgive you. But I can't allow that into me because that is harmful behavior. I forgive you and I love you. But until I see some change behavior. That's one of the difficult things with people that are addicted to drugs and they're robbing their mom and their grandma and their family. And it's, and it's difficult when you have an addict in your family because you love them, but they have these behaviors that are threatening your safety. They have people that have drug dealers coming to your house. They have, they're, they're, they're stealing out of your purse. They're, they're trying to steal your identity. They're trying all this to get another shot and get another drug. It's so difficult because you're like, man, I'm forgiving, but this behavior is putting my family in jeopardy. And so those that have relationships with addicts, it's very difficult to find that balance where you got to forgive and love, but you got to have a healthy boundary. 
I love at the air, airport when I'm on an airplane, the first thing they do is they give the instruction, the safety instructions of the airplane, and they say something to the effect of, hey, when the oxygen masks come down, if you are with an, uh, a, a younger person or with a child, they said the best thing you could do for that child is put your mask on first and then put the child's mask on. What, and so they said in emergency, you put your mask on, your oxygen mask on first and then the other person. Well, I know because we're parents, we would think, let me put that on my child first. No, you are not coherent. Oh, my goodness. You are not healthy enough to take care of them. You have to ensure that you're healthy first. So you can properly help somebody else. So you have to make sure that you and your family, that, that you're in a good place. So you can properly and healthily and coherently help someone else. And so people that have relationships with addicts, they find it difficult. And so they have to do the difficult thing of saying, hey, please go to rehab. And this is how I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you rehabilitate. And as the behaviors of them change, there is that amazing testimony of reconciliation Re reconciliation is always the aim but sometimes we have to settle for forgiveness i'm gonna say that again reconciliation is always the aim but sometimes we have to settle for forgiveness with healthy boundaries it's up to you and god if you forgive but it's up to both parties to determine if there's going to be reconciliation. Reconciliation is never on just one person. It's on two parties. Amen. And so, and so I wanted to kind of talk about that because some people get trapped. The forgiveness trap where they feel like like someone like it's like someone punching you every time they see you and then asking for forgiveness. Oh forgive me. Oh forgive me. Oh forgive me. And you just get punched every day and you forgive and y'all just go on about eat, eat your eat your cereal. <laughs> eat your cereal with a black eye together. Sit down, eat some food together. You got a black eye. They they don't have a black eye, but you have a black eye. And you just keep showing up. Well, that's not wisdom on your part. I'm being honest with you. If someone's punching me every day, I got to wisen up and say, you know what? I don't deserve this. I'm a child of God. I'm a human being. I don't deserve to be bullied like this. And they say, hey, come show up. No, nah, I'm good. I'm not showing up. Well, hold on. I thought you forgave me. I, I do forgive you. But until I see some behaviors that are less toxic, I cannot be in close proximity with you because you're dangerous. I'm the one going to the doctor every time I see you. Forgiveness with healthy boundaries. 
Now, if they get changed behaviors, oh my goodness, I didn't know how bad I was. I didn't know about this and that and that. There's that path of reconciliation when there's changed behaviors. And it's a testimony. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. So I'm excited to talk to you tomorrow on this parable of the unforgiving servant. You're going to love it. I'm, I'm excited about that. And so it would have took up a bunch of my time today. So I couldn't get into it. But I'm excited. I'm excited about it tomorrow. But I'm glad I got to talk about these concepts of the church. I don't, I don't know if there's anything more confusing than forgiving someone and still allowing yourself to be abused and um, especially if that person is in church because it's confusing behavior you see them speak in tongues and pray at church and then abuse you at home or abuse you in secret and everything that it's a confusing thing you have to learn to forgive and have healthy boundaries when they change their behavior and let me tell you something you know you don't have to stay quiet about this stuff either Look at the biblical precedent. Go to them. They're not hearing you. Take take witnesses. If the witnesses, if they're not, if they're neglecting that, you got to talk. There's something about sharing truth that is delivering. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to suffer in silence. Be empowered today to walk in forgiveness with the potential of reconciliation, but all that reconciliation isn't on your shoulders. It's on both of you guys' shoulders. Amen? What a privilege it is to serve the word of God to you today. I'm excited about tomorrow. Share this podcast with someone. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson. Or you could come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.